Have you ever asked yourself, am I a bad therapist? Well, you're in the right place. I'm Allie Joy, licensed professional counselor and registered art therapist. And I'm Catherine Escare, a clinical psychologist, and this is Am I a Bad Therapist? Join us each week for stories from behind the closed therapy door. You'll hear experiences that made us ask, am I a bad therapist? Including bloopers, jaw droppers, and other difficult moments that normalize the unique struggles of modern day therapists. This is a space with no experts, no gurus, and no hierarchies, just humans sitting in similar chairs. And while we're not the gatekeepers for good and bad therapy, because we're bad therapists too, we are here to shine a light on the difficult decisions therapists face on a daily basis and normalize that mysterious gray area of clinical practice that no one wants to talk about. Our mission on Am I a Bad Therapist is to normalize and humanize our existence as therapists. You can help us spread this message by subscribing and leaving us a review wherever you are right now, whether that's YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, you know the drill. You can also help us by sharing Am I a Bad Therapist with your network, whether it's on social media, your stories, or just between colleagues. Every listener helps us make a difference in this field, and we'll always reshare if you tag us. If you're listening to the podcast, make sure to check out our pretty faces on our YouTube channel. And if you're watching us on YouTube, make sure to head over to our podcast and leave a review. You can find all of our links in the notes below. We pick a few lucky five-star reviewers to shout out and invite for a 15-minute consultation with the both of us to talk about anything on your mind. From clinical work to podcasting, we're game. Just make sure to leave us your name and location in the review. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, Ali, we just got done talking to Chris Hancock, and I am just blown away with our conversation. There are so many relatable gems in there. What's the biggest thing you took away from our combo with Chris? Yeah, it was amazing. Um, it was very inspiring. But what stood out to me the most is that Chris talked about how to embrace your weirdness and bring it into your therapeutic approach. And I feel like that is something that speaks to me personally, to myself, and to the way that I practice, because I consider myself a non-traditional therapist. And I feel like it took me a long time in my journey as a therapist to kind of just accept that like I was different, you know, in my approach, but I love it. And it just was a really nice reminder to me that it's okay to be weird. It's okay to embrace that weirdness. How about you? What stood out to you the most? 
yeah, no, I love that. I love that piece of alignment and how things come easier when we are aligned with what's true to us. Mm -hmm. But the piece that stood out to me and something that I can really relate to, especially in, you know, creating the teletherapist network and then you and I creating this podcast is taking the risk before you're ready, taking the risk, even though there's a chance that the net might be there. So taking the risk and having the confidence, having the foresight that it will be there because you're aligned, because you're purposeful, because you do it with good intentions, like Mm -hmm. taking those risks is so huge in my life. And I try and embrace it that he spoke to it on a much bigger, bigger uh, playing field than, than I take my risks. So I just loved hearing from him and his perspective. And I'm leaving, I'm leaving this conversation so recharged and like, let's go, let's align and take risks. I love it. I agree. Yeah. This episode, you guys is going to be amazing for our listeners. Like it's so inspiring. And those are just like barely touching the surface. There are so many amazing messages. I feel like it was the most quote worthy um, episode. So we're so excited for you all to hear um, Chris's story now. And just a friendly reminder before we get into his story that this is a entertainment only podcast. This is not meant for to replace consultations, ethical guidance, or therapy itself. All right. Well, this is episode number 15 of Am I a Bad Therapist? Let's get into it. Hey, Chris, welcome to Am I a Bad Therapist? <laughs> I'm going to laugh every time you say that. I'm just, <laughs> just forewarning you, but thank you. Happy to be here and talk with you guys. What, wonderful. I, I do kind of giggle myself every time I think about the yeah. facts we host a podcast with that title. Yeah. It's, um, it's so bold. I love it. I love it. Is. it. Yeah. That's what we were going for. The shock <laughs> shock, shock value. So uh, Chris, tell us a little bit before we get into your story. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, I'm 52. I live in Nashville, Tennessee. I've been here for over 20 years. So longest place I've ever lived. Um, which is weird because I still feel like I'm new here, but um, mm-hmm. I'm from New York. I'm a Northeasterner. And, um, you know, so I don't know. Let's see. Let me jump back a little bit. So, I, I, well, let me stay here for a minute. I'm married and I have two daughters that just graduated high school. They're adopted from India. And the, the whole adoption journey is actually a, a piece of the story of, you know, what, what we'll pick up with a little later. But anyway, um, I graduated, you know, educationally graduated from Clark University in 92. I studied English, English lit degree. And then I did music uh, professionally for six years after that, mainly in the Boston area with old friends. And that was, I'd say, towards the, uh, towards that fourth or fifth year was like the beginning of a first sort of like, who am I? What am I doing? And do I want to keep doing this crisis And, and so without unnecessary detail there, I just wound up leaving it following an intuition, however faint that there was something like this for me that was calling me. I got into therapy at the time, I I think for the second time at that point. And um, that very quickly helped me to realize, oh yeah, something like this is what's calling me. And uh, so then fast forward, i uh, went to NYU for my MSW, finished in 2000, uh, worked for a year or two in Manhattan at a great counseling center, mainly substance abuse, addiction, outpatient therapy and treatment. And then some window opened for me to come south, which I always wanted to do. 
it's just a matter of sort of when and why and everything just opened up and pointed me here so i came here a little bit after 9-11 happened uh worked at vanderbilt community outpatient uh mental health uh child and adolescent psychiatry briefly then another counseling center after five years at vanderbilt for a year then started moonlighting within another year went off on my own and i've been in private practice ever since Wow, what a journey. We haven't even gotten into your story. And I feel like we've already heard a story of how you got into being a therapist. That's amazing. We could just end it here and do another (laughs) one on the rest some other time. Of course. (laughs) Well, we're dying to hear your story, though. So what is the story that you want to share that made you question if you were a bad therapist? (laughs) Again, I told you I was going to laugh. You know, okay, so I don't know that I ever really thought about it quite that way. But uh, okay, so where to start on this? So I'd say between the years of roughly 2010, which was, you know, funny enough, about a year after we began our adoption journey, which was hellacious like they usually are, goes on much longer than ever should and all that, took everything out of us. But um but for the most beautiful outcome, of course, and we would do it all over again. But I think I think the the toll that that started to take on my wife and myself, but just for me in every way, professionally, physically, mentally, emotionally, it was like, I've described this before as like an ins- the beginning of a really insidious, hard to spot slow burnout that started to show up in things like high blood pressure, which is not, it's weird for me. It would be intermittent coming and going, you know, headaches that started to come on more often than there seemed to be any good reason for. The longer the adoption process went on, the worse all that got. But then the other big piece of it too, really, is that I realize in hindsight, you know, that old Erickson quote about um, insight follows change far more often than the reverse. This is a case of that. The things I just was not seeing clearly at the time, a big one of those was that I stayed uh, married to old therapy models for too long, right? That's one thing I wish I could go back and sooner realize this is not where my heart is, right? So mm-hmm. basically, I had a great education in fundamentals at NYU, but heavily indoctrinated in the older psychodynamic models, right? Which I don't regret. I just wish that I allowed myself to expand and 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 you know pay homage to that and keep a toe in it, but move forward and embrace really all the rest of who I am. And that's that was the big problem, if I had to encapsulate it, is that I was suppressing, not denying, but suppressing mainly out of fear what my soul wanted to do, which was get weird, go get, <laughs> go to the borderlands, get shamanic and transpersonal and embrace my, you know, forever metaphysical mindset going all the way back, excuse me, to high school but mainly out of fear and concern of how I'd be viewed and and losing clients and not being able to support my family, I stayed in the box for way too long. And of course, 
I don't have to tell you guys and probably most anyone that would listen to this that the price to pay for that self-betrayal is immense, right? So that ultimately led, you know, to after we brought our children home, you know, that was the next wave of just having to adjust to that and and show up, you know, with empty tanks, you know, to be the best parents we could be and help our, our help us all adjust to that whole change. That's what really took it all out of me. And I can't really say how or when exactly, but um, I just, I had a breakdown, not it, a classic <laughs> straight ahead mental breakdown for anyone that's not familiar with uh, a sort of dark night of the soul or, you know, the wilderness or a, a spiritual um, a psychosocial crisis, which if handled properly, can become an awakening. And I'm very fortunate that that is what has happened in my case. And that is what led me after a big period. And I think this is maybe what you're really wanting to focus on. So let me not skip this. A big period of probably a couple of years of, I guess, feeling like, yeah, I'm a bad therapist. I'm not really showing up. I'm out of gas and I don't know what to do about that. I can't just stop working. I can't take a sabbatical for a year. It's not an option. Mm -hmm. So that in combination with staying just stuck in those old models, not having the energy to, to even embrace new things and go do new trainings or, or whatever, go to retreats. I just kept slugging away hour by hour. And part of that too, part of the old models was I had two long-term groups going on you know, relational, psychodynamic, plodding along weekly, long-term groups for years and years and years and years. And while a lot of wonderful stuff came from that, they went on too long for a variety of reasons. And it all hinged on me, the way that I was just burning out and running out of gas. I couldn't keep it alive, lively, productive. Um, and so I came to a very difficult decision of having to end those. And that was incredibly difficult, complex, painful. Uh, but, but it happened. And um, I guess that maybe that sort of led up to then COVID where everything changed in the world and uh, closed my practice, uh, my office space, moved home in this space I'm in right now, thinking it would just be temporary was doing video sessions. And, and the next thing I know, I realized, um, I'm, I'm, this is actually really good. I'm going to stay here <laughs> and my clients love it. And I get to do a lot of telehealth, like we're all pretty much doing. I'm sure I'm leaving out a lot, but I'll stop there and see if, yeah. where do you want to take me from there? <laughs> well, I just feel like it's so applicable. Um, I think it was in, we just recorded episode 12 not too long ago. And uh, so I'm an art therapist, which I've shared with our listeners a lot. And cool. we talk a lot about like different creative approaches and how there might be that pressure to stay, feel like you have to stay inside that box, exactly like you're saying. But there is like, it's valuable to have that foundation, just like you're saying, and the theoretical approaches, it's all valid and important, but it's also important, just like you're saying. And what I talk about a lot, and I know Catherine does too, is like, how can we be like a modern therapist? How can we be true to ourselves? How can we be creative and help our clients? Because the world is changing, like clients are changing. It's And I just think that some people do fit more traditional approaches, but I think that the non-traditional approaches benefit a lot more clients who maybe wouldn't have been in therapy before. So it's so, so valid and so applicable what you're saying. 
Absolutely, 100%. Right. So a big part of my making my transition was, of course, facing the fear head on, having a lot of support. You know, I've had a great therapist, mentor forever, um, and a lot of other great supports. Um, But facing the fear and surrendering, I mean, spiritually surrendering every day. I think I did that I still do, but I think I did it like that was my number one priority, more important than my next breath every day, several times a day for a good solid year in that real, real, the darkest part of that dark night of the soul, you know, is how I think about it. And I started getting answers and clarity and guidance and weird things started happening in my meditations and still do. And that's a whole nother story that I don't think well, I'll get into here, but it's be- it's beautiful. And what that has done is enabled me to realize the truth of, you know, ask, believe, and receive. And I'll say something really ironic, I guess, about that. I guess this would be ironic, is that when I was starting that surrender process, basically I was asking for one thing was show me a new way to move forward because I was absolutely near convinced at that point that I can't do this anymore. I'm like, I'm not fit for it. I'm not up for it. I don't think I want to do this anymore. I was having just really serious fantasies about chucking it all, moving to Florida, opening up a a, a crab shack on the beach and just (laughs) living that kind of life, you know? And, uh, and so in the surrendering, in the in the in the testing out, the ask and receive, the first concrete breadcrumb I feel like I got was that one day I went to my office, opened up my laptop, and up pops this banner ad for something called Ask and Receive, which is in like an energy psychology method, relatively new. And right away I just looked at that banner and it had, you know, the Michelangelo like two fingers touching. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I I just knew, I just knew that was a sign. That was something nudging me to explore. You want the new way forward? Here's your first clue, right? So I I, I clicked on the ad, read about it, right away knew I'm going to train in this, paid the money. And within 10 minutes of, of that training, I realized absolutely this was a sign. And that's the beginning of taking me into you know, energy psychology into the shamanic and the transpersonal, which is where I always belonged. Duh. But, you know, better late than never, I guess. And it was it was almost too late, you know. Um, and and that's when, you know, I started realizing, okay, it's time to tear it all down, tear down the old name, the old website, start fresh. My wife came up with the idea of therapy outside the box. And I was like, of course, that's it. Of course. And kind of the rest is history. I mean, it's just been amazingly unfolding and proving to me also that 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 concept of, you know, jump and trust that the net will appear and, and it, it, it's there permanently. I don't even question it anymore. I'm, I'm virtually fearless now. I'm working in ways that I want. I'm embracing all my weird woo woo stuff and <laughs> and the right people are attracted to it. And like like you said, you know, there's, there's room for everything. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's more than one way to skin a cat. And I know that's a crude analogy, but right. It's true. And so, uh, I leave it to other people to do couples and marital and do CBT or more traditional models or whatever. 
I'm just happy doing what I'm doing. And I, 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 I almost don't know how I could be happier at it at this point. And if you had told me that a couple of years ago, I would have thought you lost it, right? <laughs> because I was lost. I was mm-hmm. absolutely lost. Yeah. That's, that's the part that I love most about your story and something I can really personally relate to is yeah. using the burnout and the questioning of, I know you didn't explicitly question this, but this feeling of, am I, am I, am I bad at this? Like, or is what's going on? Like, this is not a good fit. This is burning me out. I don't enjoy it. Um, and I should enjoy it is kind of what comes up in my mind sometimes. Um, taking that information and uh, taking that those feelings and using that as information to realign yourself, right? To say, maybe I, I am bad in this, in this realm, or maybe I could be better, but it's bad for me, right? Am I a bad therapist to me? Um, for me, for, you know, for my family, like am I showing up in the, in a misaligned way, you use that information. And then the part, the part that really speaks to me is the risk, right? The jumping and knowing the net will be there. I have taken many risks, maybe not as big as yours, but (laughs) what feel big to me at the time where it's the jump and, and, and really trusting that the net is going to be there. And they are, when we, when we jump in an aligned way, the net's always there. Right. Absolutely. And risk is risk, you know, yeah. it, it's, it's immeasurable if that's a word, you know, it's kind of like pain is pain. We, we're, we're foolish to compare, right. Mm-hmm. Our pain with another's pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, whether it seems small or big compared to anyone else has just, that's illusory. I think, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's what, that. it's what it means. It was what it means for us, you know, yeah, my risk felt immense, but something in me obviously knew just do what you know to do, what you've helped other people do, right? Mm-hmm. It's like we, what's the old saying? We teach what we most need to learn, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or we and teach I- what, or we teach what we most have needed to learn. In my case, mm-hmm. it was all of that, bringing it home, like, do you know what to do? And I'm thankful for the book knowledge and, having experience of, uh, you know, I had dipped my toe a little bit in through those last couple of years. Like I put a page on my website for a sort of a subspecialty to sort of feel out whether I could attract people who were having psychosocial mm-hmm. encounters and experiences. And some of them started to come and that was very helpful, but I just wasn't fully, you know, myself yet. So it was sort of tepid. Let's pause here for a quick ad break. Are you looking to incorporate more creativity into your clinical practice, but don't know where to start? As a registered art therapist, I truly believe that every clinician can utilize creativity in what they do. I absolutely love offering consultation and supervision to share with clinicians how to ethically incorporate therapeutic art making into their clinical practice. I focus on easy and simple interventions with very little prep work for you and your clients. Visit www.cccs.care to learn more. By the way, the number one support for those of us asking ourselves, am I a bad therapist? Our clinical consultation groups. If you don't have one yet, join us on the Teletherapist Network for unlimited peer consultation groups, including a lot of different specialty groups like clinicians of color, LGBTQ+, couples counseling, EMDR. And of course, Creativity in the Clinical Room hosted by me, Allie. Plus masterclasses, media leads, and everything else you need for an ethical, modern clinical practice. Join us at teletherapistnetwork.com. 
And now back to the show. You know, you went through a very specific transformational journey, um, yeah. specific to you. And I think the thing that most of our listeners and most, what I see most like within the network and on ther- with therapists in general, is this big jump from either agency or group work to this jump uh, being afraid to jump into solo private practice, right? Afraid the net's not going to be there, even though their current work environment or demands are misaligned to what what they need and what they bring to the table. So can you speak to some of that? Yeah. You know, I assume the fear was there still there when you made that jump, when you shut down your old private practice and rebuilt. Can you speak to what that process was like internally? Um, more or less a constant low level state of anxiety <laughs> with, with some uh, periods of spikes in that anxiety. Yeah, I, I that's the sort of soundbite answer, and it's true. Mm-hmm. And if it were not for the fact that I had a spiritual focus and trust and 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 faith that I was trying to grow stronger and rely on more, I, I we wouldn't be sitting here having this conversation. Without that, it would not have. Uh, I would not have made it. I know that. Um, so it was terribly anxious and fraught. Again, I'm the breadwinner. I, I didn't have the luxury of just taking a year off and going mm-hmm. to the jungle and drinking ayahuasca for a month. That, that probably would have been very helpful. Although I did that once and it was extremely dark and, <laughs> and, and extremely dark and painful. This was years before I landed in that darkness and I look back on it now and realize, oh, it was a foreshadowing. I just mm-hmm. didn't know it. It was showing me what's mm-hmm. to come. So I'm very grateful for that. But anyway, it was just um, anxiety provoking as all hell, but I just had something in me that was just keeping me supported. And, and secure, um, that internal sense of security, it sounds like. Yeah. That internal trust. Mm-hmm. Um, and then keeping your alignment in mind and being excited and motivated to work towards that, right? I think they all work together. Totally. Uh, no doubt. So yeah, I feel like, any yeah i mean i made the jump from from clinics and counseling centers where you know your work is provided for you and you make crappy money but you know there's is not a lot that you fear until like a lot of us you realize this isn't there's more for me i'm limiting myself here not just financially but i i, I, I there's more for me you have to make that jump you know i did it by moonlighting testing it out seeing people at night privately and that quickly gave me some confidence because I reached a point where, like, I remember this was back in maybe 2007, like, when Psychology Today wasn't even a thing, really. There were, like, four people on it in my zip code. <laughs> you know? Now there's, like, 400 pages of us on there. <laughs> so I put up a profile on there saying, you know, I'm working in the, in the, in the, in the community, but I'm available, you know, I have hours, two nights a week, three nights a week within like a month I couldn't stop the phone from ringing. So I instantly built a tiny, small moonlighting private practice at night. And that really showed me, oh, wow, this is easy. Now, of course that was deceptive because as years went on and the field became saturated and the pages and pages of, of psychology today, therapists grew and grew that that went through serious dips. And there were many times, especially when I was sinking into my insidious burnout, that the phone was ringing less and I was more and more fearful. 
And that's, of course, what then starts generating in those thoughts of, I'm not very good at this. <laughs> and yeah. I was actually going to ask you about that transition because I kind of think of it of like if someone does want to get into a niche and they want to really have this focus on a certain population or approach, for you, was you did that gradual transition, it sounds like at night, of like starting to, you know, just kind of like lightly, like you said, toe into it, but still having your full-time job during the day. What else would you recommend for trying to transition into a niche of like how to make it work? Like, did you eventually have a smaller caseload of your ideal client and then you jumped into it or what happened? What happened was I hadn't, I, so once I started that, that moonlighting experiment, my plan was to stay at that counseling center for probably a couple of more years. I loved Mm -hmm. it. It was great. This was post Vanderbilt. This was a little, uh, agency uh, called Family and Children's Services that had a had a counseling arm um, in addition to the other things that 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 they did. Um, I loved it there. It reminded me of the the first job I had out of grad school in New York. The whole place, the feel of it, sort of old school, connected, community based, very social worky. Uh, and I'm a social worker, so mm-hmm. so it felt like home. So I didn't. I've planned to stay there and just eventually move to like dropping a day a week, maybe mm-hmm. then three days a week, and doing private practice two two days a week, that kind of thing. But as whatever would happen, have it, fate, the universe, luck, in a sense, although it didn't feel lucky at the time. Once I got full, like I said, very quickly with some private clients at night. All of a sudden, something radically changed in the funding and the business model of of that agency, and they didn't know how to handle it. It was like it became quickly like moving the chairs around on the Titanic, and how they were trying to initially keep afloat was just by giving us clinicians more and more clients to see, to the point where I literally remember going to my supervisor and saying, I have this many hours in a day and I just got seven new intakes. Where am I supposed to put them? Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Like it was just math and nobody mm-hmm. was seeing that this was not making sense. And she didn't have an answer for me. And I realized I got to get out of here. This thing mm-hmm. is tanking. And I put in my notice and I hadn't been there that long. And I felt terrible about that, but I couldn't work with it. It was stressing me the hell out. And so I, I quit. And that was my first, I'm good. It seems like the net is there. I'm going to trust it will stay. Mm-hmm. And it did. And I then found out that after I left one by one, everyone left and that yeah. whole counseling center just dissolved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But would I have been able to make that jump without having tested it out with the moonlighting? Probably not. I probably would have tried to find another full-time job because I just didn't really feel ready at that stage and at that age to to go into private practice. I, I guess I was, is how the story turns out, but I didn't, I didn't really have quite that full confidence that I wanted at the time. Yeah. Well, it does seem like the stars aligned there and it just really was showing you like, this is the time. And I think what you were saying too is so valid that I feel like as therapists, or at least I can say I feel this, is that guilt, right? Of like leaving or making that transition. It's, I feel like that's so challenging of like feeling that pressure to stay or feeling like you should. But as we say all the time, we have to take care of ourselves first because if we don't, we are no good to our clients. So what you said there is so, so important. I think for so many therapists to remember is like the guilt will be there. You'll feel bad, 
but you have to take care of yourself and move forward. You have to, and you have to model that for people, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, look, I went, I left uh, one, two, three, four different community-based jobs, four different, you know, painful terminations with Mm caseloads. And it always sucked. It never got easier. It never got better. I don't think it ever would. But yeah, at the end of the day, it's like you have to be, you just so cliche, but you have to be true to you. Mm-hmm. You have to, and you feel called to move on. You just, you're not doing anyone any favors by staying for someone else or because you think you have to, or to just avoid feeling too guilty. That is a, a beautiful segue into a question we ask all of our guests. And that is, what advice would you give to someone who is in the same situation as you were? Someone who's feeling misaligned and burnt out and fearful um, of making a change. What would you say to yeah. them? Go within or go without. Mm. Now, that's not mine. I think that's attributed to St. Francis of Assisi, as far as I know. <laughs> but I that's something... Right. Yeah, that's something my therapist, who is a former Franciscan priest, started telling me 20 years ago (laughs) to, you know, and still does on occasion, you know, when I'm like, I don't know what to do about this. Yeah. So basically what he was always trying to tell me was surrender, go within and go upwards, surrender. Even if you don't believe, you know, (laughs) try it out. (laughs) You might be surprised, right, that there's a higher force that is compassionate there are helping spirits there are helping energies etc so that's the main thing uh in addition to that don't isolate seek support talk to people mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. get it if you don't have a therapist get one get a consultee get a supervision group find the right one might take some trial and error you know and then seek out i'd say don't be afraid to you know do some google searching and seek out people who are already seem to be doing things that you think you want to do, reach out to them. I did that. I've done that periodically throughout my career. And sometimes, of course, people don't respond. And okay, mm-hmm. you just got to take that on the chin and keep going. But sometimes you'll 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 get to even sit down with somebody who can show you yourself on the other side if you have the fear to keep going, to just mm-hmm. not give up, you know? I feel like it's so cliche to just follow your heart, but that's no, what it's, it's about, true. you know? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like too, what I'm feel like I'm taking away too from this conversation is to embrace our weirdness. Like, don't be afraid to lean into that. Like that, again, I think is standing out so much to me too. Like it, again, it feels non-traditional, it feels different, but there are people who also feel this way. There are people who will benefit from your weirdness, your creativity, your approach. So I have to just say that again, that has stood out to me so much and I'm so happy you're sharing that message too. That is the big message. It is if, if, yeah, if you're different, if you're weird, you've got to embrace it. You got Mm -hmm. to, when you're ready, or even maybe a little bit before you're ready, (laughs) because you might not be ever fully ready. You got to lead with it. Like, like Brene Brown says, right? That open hearted, like here I am. And if you're not in the arena with me taking these risks that I don't think I really need to hear from you, right? Meet me here. Then we'll, then we'll talk. Then I'll be open to your feedback or whatever. Right. But yeah, you got to be like David Crosby said a long time ago, right? Let the freak flag fly. You have to, you know? (laughs) Yeah, but you got to keep your feet on the ground. Maybe that's mm-hmm. the other thing I'd say, if, especially yeah. if people are going through 
you know, if they're having sort of psycho-spiritual breakdowns or spiritual awakening or spiritual uh, emergence process, anything that seems to be more than just like mental crisis, and there's a lot of overlap, sometimes it's very difficult to tease out what's what because they often go together. Um, uh, I lost my point there. What Eat was on the I Yes. Thank you. Yes. It's like, it's like, yeah, the higher you want to soar, the, the, the more, the, the firmer your feet need to be planted. That probably goes without saying the importance of embodiment and groundedness. You have to, or else you're just floating around in the astral realms and you're not mm -hmm. going to be able to find your way back and really not going to be able to help anyone in a grounded way. I mean, there were periods in the beginning of my transition where I can look back and see I was not totally grounded, not totally embodied and not totally aligned. I was working towards it, but I wasn't there. But, you know, you can't always just wait till, you know, it's like, it's like waiting to be healed, right? Yeah. What is yeah. healed? Yeah. We're healing. We're either always. working towards our healing or we're not, but there's no, like I'm enlightened. Mm -hmm. I've arrived. I'm done. I'm healed. Yep. Now I can bring my gift to the world now. No. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Start before you're ready. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So, so Chris, where can, if people, if listeners want to connect with you, learn more about you, um, where can they find you online? Yeah, just uh, therapyoutsidethebox.com is my homepage. That's my site. And at Therapy Outside the Box is my Instagram. I'm pretty active on there. I got a Facebook, but I don't even check it, you know. <laughs> Um, you know, I, I, I rejected social media forever. I was never part of it till like four years ago. And I realized, and other people helped me realize now that you're making this transition and you're really coming forth with all of who you are, which is one of the messages I got uh, from the spiritual realm early on, it's time to come forth with, with all of who you are. Um, I realized it's, I have to not stay small. So I have to choose some forum and just start talking about, just start sharing. So I chose Instagram and it's worked very well for me. So those two places are, yeah, mainly. Mm -hmm. Otherwise I'm, I'm here in Franklin, Tennessee. I'm around. Yeah. Well, and as always, we will link those in the show notes and on our Instagram at about therapist pod, we'll tag you in all of our graphics and everything so people can find you. But thank you so much for sharing your story. It was a pleasure to hear it. I, there's so many good messages to take away from this one. So thank you so much. Thank you yes. guys so much. You're wonderful hosts. You ask great questions. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> And that's it. The OG Bad Therapists, Allie and Catherine, are signing off for the week. Make sure to subscribe and leave us a review. We pick a few lucky five-star reviewers to shout out and invite for a 15-minute consultation with the both of us to talk about anything on your mind. From clinical work to podcasting, we're game. Just make sure to leave us your name and location in the review. And are you a bad therapist and want to join us on the show? Go to abadtherapist.com and tell us your story. Our podcast is produced and edited by my amazing husband, Austin Joy. He also created the music for our intro and outro. You can find this song, along with many others, on any music platform under the artist Air for Effect. And if you're a bad therapist starting your own podcast, contact Austin for his full suite of podcast and sound production services. You can find him on Instagram at Air for Effect. And don't forget, we're all bad therapists.